Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Well, I started a, a few messages that I want to go through uh, Christmas and culminate talking about the, living the lifestyle of joy. And really, uh, as you go through, if you wanted to go through topically in the Bible and look at the great themes of the Bible, uh, you would find cer- certainly the love of God. You would find, you know, holiness. You would find, uh, you know, power, all those things. But one thing that doesn't usually crop up on people's idea when they start thinking of the great themes of the Bible is this whole idea that God brings supernatural uh, avenue for joy to be upon his people. And uh, it's almost like something that yeah, we, we, we think about it once in a while, but most of us are just living a life where joy is kind of one of the, the, the side roads in our life. We're dealing with a whole lot of other things. But joy is one of the primary marks of Christian. As a matter of fact, it's part, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Is that, uh, one of that is that the Holy Spirit will open the channel up and bring supernatural joy into your life. And so, you know, at Christmas we, we sang some of the uh, choruses today and they talked about it. We know the story of the angels and all of that, but the Bible is full, literally hundreds and hundreds of um, references and encouragements and revelation of what joy should be in the place in a believer's life. So I want you to turn over to First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses there, and then we're going to start uh, kind of dissecting this this morning, living the lifestyle of joy. And I'm believing that Christmas 2022 is going to be a, a turning point for some of us and literally a launch pad for all of us into having 23 being a year where the joy of the Lord indeed strengthens us and builds us and encourages us. But over in First Peter chapter 1, I'm just going to start reading at the first uh, of the verse, and Peter's uh, building up some things, and we'll get into it in a few verses. So Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. How many have the reservation made? Yay. That's the list you want to be on right there. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. Verse 6. In this greatly rejoice. In this greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible 
and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, say to us. This message is for this church this morning. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, that is those prophets who prophesied of Jesus in the Old Testament, they were speaking to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who had preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Wow, what an opening that Peter, I mean, that is just incredible. The uh, depth and, and the insight and just the, uh, the power of, way, uh, of the way that Peter was opening up his remarks to those that would read his letter. Years ago, there was a TV show, show called Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. Oh, you're shaking your head. That means you've dated yourself. That was a long time ago. Well, that show showed how the other side would live, uh, and that really, if you were like me, uh, the 99.9% who watched it realized they would never have a chance to live that lifestyle. I mean, uh, but out of that audience, uh, the majority had no hope of experiencing or, or, or partaking of what that show portrayed. And so, in the world, it's kind of portrayed that, well, this is what real happiness looks like. You know, you've got it all, you, you do things that nobody else can do and all of that, but it's really a, uh, a poor substitute for what joy really is. Well, the joy that Peter was talking about here in this first chapter of his first book talked about uh, is meant for every person that follows Jesus Christ, this joy that he's speaking about. And we're going to break it down a little bit. But sadly, most act like they're watching the lifestyles of the rich and famous when they read it. They think, well, that joy is going to come when I get to heaven, or that joy is for some super spiritual person, or that joy is for somebody who really doesn't have all the issues and the problems that uh, I have in my life. And I'm going to just let you in on something right now, and you've you've all uh, figured it out. Everybody's got problems. Everybody has things that they wish were different, or things that they wish would have happened differently, or things that if they could change it and they were in that lifestyle of the rich and famous, maybe a little more money, a little more power, a little more connection, then their lives would be truly happy. I'm just going to tell you. You're never going to get to the point in your life where things are just the way they should be, and at that point you'll say, now I can be happy. That's never going to happen. You need to find through uh, the one way and only way possible is the joy that God presents to us in His Son, Jesus Christ, that regardless what situation you're in, that joy can be right in the middle of it, just as powerful as somebody who's on the other side of the camera on that yacht in the Rich and Famous program. Because it's not things of this world that this joy is based upon. Many different packages are presented by God that wrap up this gift of joy. Now, we're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, of course, and on that Sunday, I've got a message about, about that, about the joy that the angels talked about. Joy to the world. And we'll break that down a little bit. But God, as you search the scriptures, you will find that God has, has found any number, I mean, more than you would be, um, uh, you would be surprised at how many ways that the Lord has provided to bring joy into your life. And I want to break down a few of those this morning. Uh, and that the understanding that you, where you're at right now, need to be partaking and living in that joy. Verse 8 of Peter chapter 1 here. He's going on with these remarks about uh, the heavenly inheritance that we have. And in verse 8 he said, Whom having not seen... Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about that we may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen you love. And though you do not see him, yet you believe. And you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Joy... Scriptural joy, New Testament joy, joy that Paul and Silas had when they were locked up in the prison and they were singing hymns at midnight before the angel break their, broke their chains off. This kind of joy, it originates from two things. And he gave us, he gave us the, uh, the two indicators here where the foundation of this joy comes from. It's unspeakable joy and it's joy filled with glory. But it comes from two things, loving without seeing. Now, uh, there's one thing to, you know, 
have your wife or your husband and, and maybe you're separated by distance and time and yet your love doesn't diminish the further they get away. The love doesn't diminish because they're on a, on a job, you know, a thousand miles away or whatever that scenario may be. But this isn't what he's talking about. He's talking about this joy unspeakable is, is foundation. One of the rails that it runs on is that you love without saying you, how many love Jesus today? And you loved him because he first loved you, right? He saw you, but unless you've had a vision or encounter, which is actually, people do. They have them all the time. But most of us, I haven't had it in that way where I've stood face-to-face before Jesus and um, in the physical sense. But I love him just as much as if I did. That becomes one of the rails for joy to come in your life. You love him without seeing. I think there's this saying that people from Missouri, it's the show-me state. There, there is this mindset that humans have that, well, I've got to see it to believe it. And especially when it comes to matters of the heart. I want, to be, I want it to be tangible. I want it to be right there. But in the Christian uh, lifestyle, the tangible is supernatural. And I will tell you right now that the tangibility of the supernatural is just as real as, as, as uh, terrestrial. Just as real as flesh and blood. As a thing that you would lay your hands on or be able to look at in your eyes. And so he's talking about having this joy unspeakable. Well, uh, the first thing is he said that you love without seeing. I don't know how you came to Christ. But somewhere in that process, the Holy Spirit illuminated your mind, your soul, your emotions. There was something that sparked in you that said, I need a savior. I, I, I need help in my life. I need forgiveness of my sin. And yet they told you about the savior. They told you how he was born, how he lived, how he died, how he rose again. They told you where he lives right now. They told you he's there making intercession for us. They can tell all of these things, but yet we've never seen him. But yet we love him to the point where we're willing to die for him. That to God is more valuable than all the creation that he's created, all the planets, all the universes, all the, that coming out of the devotion of a human being with an eternal soul that says, Lord, I love you. Even though I haven't seen you with my eyes, I know you're there. He said, they need to be the recipients of my joy. The second thing was, is that the fruit of this is, is believe, is loving without seeing and believing without seeing. I don't understand this book. I've read it ever since I've gotten saved. You probably have too. And, and we know some things and all of that, but this book is inexhaustible. But yet, even though I don't understand it all, I believe it all. Even though I, I, I can't quote it all verse and chapter, yet everything in it, I, I believe it. I don't have to understand it. I might not be able to tell you, you know, how creation worked or, or, or the mysteries of heaven and all of those things, but yet it's in here and I believe it. And that believing becomes the second rail of God saying, they are candidates and recipients for my joy being in, the, in, uh, being in their life. Now, the fruit of this joy is not just any old joy. It's not like, you know, you've got a great gift for Christmas. How many are, how many have got your, you've got your list in? You've got your, this is what I'm, yeah, I haven't given mine, but I'm going to. It has to do with gunpowder and ammunition, that kind of thing. But we'll, we'll, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, yeah. And, uh, there's this, this believing that the joy that comes is not just, it's not something that, that comes that you can, you know, that it wears out with the using thereof. This joy is something that no matter what happens in your life, as a matter of fact, sometimes the worse life gets, the greater this joy becomes. It's incredible. It's amazing. Why? Because it's supernatural. And so he talked about this, that the fruit of this joy, and, and he used two words. And I'm going to jump down there. And whom you have seen, though now you do not see, you believe, and you rejoice with joy unspeakable. One translation says, my translation here today in the New, in the, uh, New King James is inexpressible and full of glory. This, this joy is not just the run-of-the-mill joy that the world has with a new car or a new this or a new that or, or, or whatever uh, may suit your fancy. This joy is something, this word, unspeakable. It's, it, you have the words. You understand what you'd like to say about it, but you're so overwhelmed by, by joy that they just won't come out. That's what he's talking about. You're so overwhelmed with, with, with uh, joy at what has happened to you in your, in your walk with God that you, 
If you could have the tongues of a thousand angels, I think one course talks about, it still wouldn't be enough. That's unspeakable joy. It's not that you can't speak of it. It's not that there are, it's unlawful to speak. It's just that it's so great that you find it difficult to put it into words. You know what I'm talking about? You've had that in your life? Full of glory. This joy that's full of glory. It means to render praise. It means to extol. It means to magnify. So when you have that joy that's full of glory, what's going to come out of your life is you're going to offer up the fruit of your lips. You're going to offer up praise. You're going to extol. We don't use that word much in our, in our society, but extol means the, the highest admiration that you could possibly come up with in your life. That's what extol means. And to magnify. About 10, 11, 12 years ago, Susan and I started a church and we had, we had a team and we started a church in Winston, Oregon, just a little suburb of Roseburg, Oregon, and uh, with Grace International, and won't go through all of all of that. But we we uh, had a building, or we rented a building, we were getting ready, and and uh, didn't get ready in time, so we rented the mortuary. And anyway, it was it was a glorious time. It was kind of a revival church, is what it was. But then we finally got in. We were in this little storefront building, so it wasn't anything like this. <laughs> the ceiling, you know, those ceilings, Pastor Mike. There, you know, the the sound just boom, and it's just right there. And and uh, but yet God's grace was on it. The, the, it just filled up. It was packed. It was kind of a revival church. It was loud and it was rowdy and. It was, um, uh, what do they call them down there in Roseburg? Uh, rednecks? Is that what they, yeah, that's what they call them. It was kind of what, what, what was there. Well, uh, and we had, we had all types of, not just church people, but people that had just broken backgrounds and come out of really rough situations and that kind of thing. Well, there was this one man named, named Danny. And he was about my age, a few years younger. But he was a motorcycle mechanic and one of the, one of the motorcycle dealers in town. And so we kind of hit it off because we rode motorcycles and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but didn't get to know Danny that well. He worked a lot. He was kind of shy, seemingly, uh, and he was kind of a redneck, redneck guy, which I, which I loved. And, uh, but Danny kind of uh, uh, kept to himself a little bit. Well, in worship service, I began to notice that, man, Danny was just, Danny was a worshiper of God. And, uh, I mean, he would lift his, lift his hands. He, it wasn't volume and all of, the, all of that, but you, you could just tell, man, he was worshiping the Lord. And finally, uh, after a few weeks, he got a little comfortable, I guess. And during the worship time, he would start, well, for lack of a better, he would start dancing. And just, you know, it's awkward for a man my age to be dancing down front. But, you know, Danny was just, and I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to, no. I'm gonna, now if Holy Ghost comes on me, I'll dance. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but Danny, Danny would, would dance during the worship time. And we had flaggers and we had, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't just one guy there. But uh, don't worry, Pastor Mike. We're, we're <laughs> you never know when a flag twirler is going to break out, Mike. You never know, man. I'm just telling you. Uh, but, uh. The staff and I, we, it's not we tag people names, we, but we kind of began to affectionately refer to him as Dancing Danny. And uh, one day it was communion, and we had tables down and the communion was set up. And Danny's just, I mean, he's, he's dancing, man. I mean, he's going for it. And he's heading right for a table. And I'm like, oh, man, Danny's going to take the communion out. It's going to just be all. And he gets to the table, and he twirls around it, and just, and it's like, that's amazing. Uh, and so we kind of developed a little thing we called the divine interview. And it'd be like testimony kind of thing. But when I got up to do this part, I just felt, Danny... Come here, I gotta talk to you. And, I, and he came up and I said, Danny, I love you. How long have you come here? A couple months and all this. And I said, Why? What, what, are you, what are you feeling when you're dancing like this? And I'm kind of just up like you are now. And Danny told us why he danced. And he said, Well, Pastor, hardly anybody knows this about my family in this town. But he said, When I was 11 years old, we lived just outside of Green, Green, um, yeah, that's it. We lived just outside of there. It was country then. And his dad and the neighbor had issues. And they, you know, they, were, they, were, they would fight, they would argue, that kind of thing. And he said, something happened, I don't know what it was, but Danny was uh, telling the story. And so he went out with his dad because the neighbor charged up into, the, into their farm in his pickup. And he and his dad went out to meet him. And this neighbor jumped out and he had a gun in his hand. And so his dad and the neighbor were, were uh, just, you know, exchanging verbal, you know, arguments. And in the middle, 
this man pulls up and shot his dad in the middle of the chest and killed him instantly. And Danny's standing there saying, and my dad's hot blood splattered all over my face. And he said, I have never had a moment where I have not been in pain inside of me since that moment. Except when I danced before the Lord. He said, when I dance before the Lord and the worship's going and all of that, he said, I dance all the time, but he said, it works best when, when it's in the house of, of, of the Lord and the, and the team's going and people are worshiping the Lord. And he said, I'm not, I, don't, I just don't even know you're there. He said, I just start dancing before, before the Lord. And God starts telling me how he loves me and how he, he never left me and how he knows the pain. And he said, that, at that time dancing, he said, I, the pain goes away. And so he said, I'm always really sad when the worship service is over. <laughs> and, and as he told the story, I mean, I mean I'm crying and people are crying. I, I said, oh, Danny, you can dance anytime you want. And the church started saying, dance, Danny, dance, dance, Danny. And Danny just jumps off and he starts dancing around. And I mean, you talk, you want to see Holy Ghost break out? Yeah, yeah Holy Ghost broke out on that, that morning at that service. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and something happened within that little church in that storefront is that every time Danny began to dance and other people would become more expressive in the way that they worship the Lord, the, the volume level seemed to go up. Because it, it, it's so easy to misjudge what, what God is doing in somebody else's life in this arena of joy. Because what makes you happy, what brings joy to you, it might not bring joy to this other person. Me dancing before the people and kind of looking awkward doesn't seem like a joyful thing to me. But to Danny, man, he was, I mean, he was close to God. And so there's this whole thing we start speaking about, joy unspeakable. Some of you have been carrying weights and burdens and pains and issues for so long, decades. And what really needs to happen is not just to have your brain erased or not to have something, you know, take take that. What really needs to happen is for you to come in and have a baptism of joy unspeakable. Whatever that looks like in your life. But it originates from heaven. It doesn't originate from me or from a stage or anything. It's the Father of heaven. who He's the Father of lights who all good gifts come from. There's no darkness in him. There's no shadow of turning in him at all. And he will release joy in your life because he loves you and he knows that you need to live this life with some joy in it. Now, Peter was, was talking about that, uh, uh, you know, you can have this joy even though you're going through trial and difficulty because the church was being persecuted, all those things. It's not, not like joy comes and then all the sadness or all the difficulty, all the trials go away. No, the joy gets right in the middle of it, and that's what makes it better than any joy that the world has to offer you because it's joy that no person, no circumstance, no thing can ever take away from you. What's it look like? I want you to turn over. And I want to talk over to Isaiah chapter 61. And I want to take the last few minutes in here and talk to you about what, what possibly some things that this joy might look like in your life. 61 of the book of Isaiah, verse 10. <clears throat> Remember chapter 61 of Isaiah, right? Yeah. Jesus had the scroll in the temple. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That's Isaiah 61. Well, way over here in verse 10, it's just continuing on with what God's doing, what God's ministering. Verse 10. And now it's gone into the first person, like Isaiah speaking. He said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Something in 2023, I'm asking God, Lord, what, what does that mean for me to greatly rejoice in the Lord? He said, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, and as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its buds, 
As the garden causes the things that are sown in, in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. So what, what can this joy look like? What, what should we kind of be looking into in our lives for the joy of the Lord? And I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I love church. It's been my life ever since I've gotten saved. Y'all love church. You're here on a Sunday morning and, and, and all of that. But this is more than just going to church. This is something that's happening that uh, would motivate you for everything in your life is this joy of the Lord. So uh, first in verse 10, he said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful. Being joyful in soul. You know what your soul is, right? We're, we're three. We're one person, but we're made up of three components. Body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit is what got born again when you when you got saved. It was it was not alive. It was not functioning as created before you accepted Jesus. Your spirit is what will live for eternity in either heaven or hell. Only two places the spirit is going to live for eternity. Your soul is your mind, your thoughts, your emotion. That's what most of us are most familiar with in this world because that's how we process the world. And then, of course, our body is this thing that just gets older and, you know, all those aches and pains, all that. And that, that goes away at some, at some day, and it goes back to the dust from which it was created. And then our spirit goes to its eternal, eternal dwelling place. Being joyful in soul. Being joyful in mind, will, and emotion. So the joy of the Lord will, will really, it is, it, 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 it is working, of course, absolutely functioning in your spirit. But he said, I'm going to cause my soul to be joyful in my God. So what's gonna, what joys look like in a, in a human being is somewhere in there, your will has to be involved if you're going to be a joyful Christian. I don't care what they said to me, what they did to me, what they, all these things you can put into why you're sad and mad and gloomy and all of that. But somewhere you're going to have to determine in your will, I'm going to be a happy Christian. I don't care what's happened to me. Now in America, it, you know, we get all kind of messed up with just, you know, somebody doesn't say something the right way to, or, or to us or whatever, but you can go to some places where being a Christian is really rough. You can go to China, you can go to sub-Sahara Africa, you can go to places where if you are a Christian, they will kill you and think they're doing a service for God when they do it. But even in those places, those, some of those people are the most joyful people you've ever seen in, in, in living their life. So being joyful in soul, your mind is going to have to be involved. You're going to have to say to your mind at some, at some point, yes, maybe it doesn't all add up the way I, I want. But when I balance my, my life out, the number one thing about my life is not what's happening here, but it's the fact that I'm going to live there forever. That levels the field of everything else, of all the pain, of all the... And then this emotion, your emotional part has to be set in joy. Now, there's differences of personalities. I don't know if you've ever taken the personality test. I didn't. He just said you messed up. And I don't know what, what, what that one was. But, um, but there's differences of personalities. My wife is just a joyful person. She's happy. Thank God. <laughs> uh, she looks at life through a different lens than I do. And I don't look through life as a lens of you know, sadness or, or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But my lens is not as joyful and happy as her lens is. <laughs> There are times when I'm like, I just want to be alone. <laughs> she doesn't have that lens. She's like, let's go party somewhere. Let's find some. And I'm like, okay, I just want to be alone. Take the dog and there you go. And, uh, in, in that somewhere, your, your emotions are going to have to get involved. Are, in, when you study psychology and stuff a little bit, it's, it's strange because you think it's just the opposite. But it's the man of the house who sets the emotional atmosphere in the house. 
So guys, when you come home from work, and I know it was rough, and I know fingers get smashed, and I know trucks blow up, and all those kind of things happen, and work is just work, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But when you come home, you, you know, can I tell you, if you're a Christian, you need to get a hold of your emotion and say, when I walk into this house, I'm going to be the happy dad, the happy husband, the happy man of God. And yeah, it was, it, it just was bad today. But the joy of the Lord is greater. I'm going to remember Dance and Danny, okay? Maybe you need to do a little dance in the driveway before you go in and get some of the joy of the Lord on you and just get, uh, but he said, I am going to give my soul will greatly rejoice in my God. Being joyful in mind and emotion. Great rejoicing. I will greatly rejoice. I'm going to take a moment and then we'll wrap this up. Um, what does greatly rejoicing look like? Just a, just a question. Now, in Western society, I think it looks different than in Eastern society. Western, we're, we're more logical, you know, we're scientific and everything's got to... But greatly rejoicing... If greatly rejoicing broke out in this church today, or in any church, I'm not just picking on this, if what this, this verse is talking about greatly, it would look really strange to most of you. If people were, so, um, I don't even know whether I want to go down there, but if you've ever been around somebody who just started laughing in the spirit, doesn't happen much, doesn't happen often, but sometimes, and it's a real deal. And I'm, uh, later on I'll talk maybe a little bit more about that, but when, when this greatly rejoicing comes into the midst of a people, you think at first that it's off-putting to people, but it's just the opposite. They might not understand it, but something draws. And it's not from the outside that draws. It's from the inside that draws to where there's great joy. Um, so Isaiah kind of framed it up like this. This is the analogy he used. He's covered me with the robes of righteousness. He's clothed me with garments of salvation. That's why I have, I'm greatly rejoicing. That's why my soul is joyful in my God. And this is kind of what it looks like. As a bridegroom decks himself... Uh, with ornaments, it, he puts on his um, his best clothes. He puts on the in the Old Testament. It was he would put on the priestly regalia, the priestly garments. They were long and they were white and they had shiny things on them and they it was just special. And so what he's talking about here is the best way that the prophet could describe what it means for a person to come into this kind of joy is what it looks like on a, for a man and woman what they look like on their wedding day. Joy of the Lord absolutely decorates your life. And so the men would get dressed like a priest and they would have these garments on and everybody would know, oh, here's the bridegroom and here's the other ones. But that one's the groom right there because he's just decked out with everything. This joy of the Lord is what happens. Uh, this is what happens in us and in the body of Christ is that it becomes like the greatest day of our life every day of the year. Yeah, now there are times, yeah, we weep with those that weep. We, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We go through the ups and downs of life. But none of that takes away the joy of what being a Christian is really about. So this bridegroom gets all decked out. He might spend... Years saving up for this day. So this is what the joy of the Lord looks like. Um, I'm not, I'm not talking about, oh, put on good clothes and all that. Yeah, look, yeah, don't wear dirty clothes at church, but it's not about putting on the three-piece suit and the vest and all that. It's really decking yourself out that I'm going to go in and my eyes are going to be upon him. It's going to be like, like the greatest day of my life to live for him. You know what? The Lord will surprise you. I love this about him. Sometimes we get our expectations and we're going into something and we, we think, it's going to be one way, and then it ends up turning to be just the opposite. Have you ever had, had those kind of meetings? Maybe the boss is calling you in, and you think, oh, man, I'm in trouble. Or, oh, man, maybe I'm going to get laid off. Maybe I'm going to get a pink slip. And instead, you get a raise. And you're surprised by it. That type of thing. It's, it's, like the, it's like the bride adorns herself. She puts on her jewelry. She puts on her ornaments. And the two, um, it, it's not a day of sadness. It's not a day of caring about others. It's a day of rejoicing because their lives are going to be never going to be the same again. Can talk about the source and wrap. And as the garden causes the things that are sown in the spring, that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. You know, what the Lord is, 
the reason that he brings that kind of joy into us, I think, is to show us off before the world. So that the world can see, this is what life is really supposed to be like. Let's stand up. So that the world can understand, whenever you serve their God, this is what life becomes. Is that in the middle of it all? I, I was talking to the prayer group Wednesday night. Yeah, 22's had some, had some rough spots in it. And every year does. Who knows what 23 is going to bring? But I do know this, that regardless what it brings, that we can live it in joy. Yes. Regardless what the economy does, we can live it in joy. Regardless what happens in just the mundane ordinariness of life, we can have the joy of knowing what it is to be a follower of Christ. And that becomes God's showpiece where he shows the nations, this is what the righteous look like. This is, this is praise is to spring forth before all the nations. I think one of the things that the Lord is doing, maybe before the, the return of Jesus Christ, is just getting the church happy. <laughs> just, just getting the church to a point where they love one another, where they're, they're, yeah, it's, it's a tough world, but man, our God overcomes the world. Jesus said, I've overcome the world and I've given you my peace and I put my joy in your life. I want to pray this morning. If you've been living with things that have happened in your past and maybe on the outside you have the smile, but on the inside, the pain and the sadness is still there. Grieving is legitimate. Grieving is, he's the God of all comfort. He will get in the, in the middle of that. He'll do an exchange at some point where he'll take your grieving and he'll put in the garments of praise. Where he'll take the sadness and he'll put his joy. Where he'll take your weakness and he'll put his joy, which will become your strength. It's one of those things that, uh, uh, don't, don't wear the badge of, of misfortune as, oh, feel sorry for me. No. God saved me in the middle of it. God redeemed me in the middle of it. Just bow your head and let me pray. If you're here this morning, And you'd like to have, not just happiness, but you'd like to have this joy, more of this joy in your life. I just want you to lift your hand and receive it as I pray over your life. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you are the God who came and made a way where there seemed to be no way. You were touched with the feeling of every infirmity, of every trial, of every loss, of every heartbreak, of every injustice, of everything that is is common to to the human condition. But Jesus, you left and came and got right in the middle so that your joy could be released into our life in a sin-sick world. Lord, I pray for those today that serve you and know you, that there would be a supernatural release from heaven, that happiness of the kingdom would replace anything that the world is trying to take out of them with worry and doubt and fear. Lord, I pray today that there would be a joy that's unspeakable and a joy that's full of glory. That, Lord, we don't understand how or even where or even uh, the processes of it, but we know that it's there and it's real. And, Lord, I release that joy upon this people today. That, God, this week they would have a sense. Things have shifted. And the and the God of my salvation is for me. He's for me and not against me. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. And his joy becomes the strength of my life. Jesus, I release that upon these people. I pray and break the power of depression, of sadness. And Lord, I pray that your blood would cleanse and cause a stream that flows, whereas the rivers of God make us glad. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, I receive it and I believe it. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming today. If this is your first time or you've just been coming a couple times, Susan and I are going to be right here. Please come up and and, uh, I want to pray with you real quick. Just a blessing over your life. Introduce ourselves to you and and uh, get to meet you. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night at prayer. Uh